Reference to or information about any specific product or service by name, trade name, trademark, or service mark in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement of that product or service. And now on to the episode. Hello and welcome to Better Money with Elements Financial. I'm your host, Miranda Finley. I'm a certified financial wellness professional who has worked with thousands of people in all walks of life, and I'm also a real person with real financial experiences. I'll chat from both personal and professional viewpoints to help make your money better. As an organization, it's important to Elements that we pour time and resources back into the organizations that we partner with that do incredibly important, vital work. So we have three pillars of giving that we focus on, homelessness and housing, healthy lifestyles, and youth development. Keeping those three pillars at the top of mind, we celebrated our seventh annual Purpose Day on Indigenous Peoples Day 2023. On Purpose Day, Elements employees were encouraged to make an impact in the communities they reside in by doing things like volunteering at local food pantries, cleaning their neighborhood, stocking their free little libraries, or taking a prearranged volunteer opportunity at one of our valued community partners. Little Red Door, NeighborLink, Daymar Services, Growing Places Indy, or Bosma, all before they joined the rest of the staff on Butler University's campus to hear about the impact of volunteerism and foundations. Jennifer Bartenbach, Chief Executive Officer of the Central Indiana Community Foundation, or CICF, joined us live to highlight this impactful work. Prior to becoming CEO, Jennifer served as the Chief Financial Officer and the Chief Operating Officer for CICF over the last 10 years. She led the recent restructure of the Philanthropic Collaborative. During her time as CFO and COO, she oversaw operations for CICF and 10 consolidating supporting entities. She also co-founded and co-leads Impact Central Indiana, a multi-member limited liability company created to facilitate social impact investments in the community. And a little bit more about CICF. Elements has a long-standing partnership with CICF. They serve as the catalyst between community organizations applying for and receiving grants from Elements. The CICF provides resources to Elements for decline and grant acceptance communications. CICF and the Indianapolis Foundation, along with the Hamilton County Community Foundation, Impact Central Indiana, and the Women's Fund of Central Indiana are a part of a $1 billion philanthropic collaborative committed to mobilizing people, ideas, and investments to make the Central Indiana community where all individuals have equitable opportunity to reach their full potential, no matter place, race, or identity. Each organization also has its own unique strategic plan to advance this goal within the communities it serves. As this was a live recording, there may be variances in sound. Now on to our conversation. Well, welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. What a resume. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good on paper. Yeah, right? No, it sounds great on paper. I bet you're going to sound great in person, too, though. Um, So Whitney mentioned a little bit about what CICF does and what you focus on at CICF. Um, Really impactful work in central Indiana. And I just want to reiterate, so your mission is to provide an equitable opportunity for everyone in this community to reach their full potential, no matter place, race, or identity. I think that's That's incredible. (laughs) Um, So how did you end up at CICF? And I'm sure that that mission and how dynamic it is has something to do with why you're still there. 
Absolutely. So I, you know, kind of took a winding road to philanthropy. Um, they said in my resume, I started in the manufacturing world when I was in, in college at U of V at the Princeton plant down uh, in Princeton, Indiana for Toyota. And when I left there to come here, I worked as all good accountants do in public accounting straight out of school. Um, and I wouldn't change that for the world um, because you get exposure to everything. But I tried to join the manufacturing team and, and what I saw was everyone in my starting class was joining the manufacturing team. And there was a spot on the um, nonprofit and higher ed team in, uh, to do audits uh, at the schools and then other large nonprofits in town. And so I joined that team looking for an opportunity to get a lot of experience. And um, I fell in love with philanthropy and everything that it was doing in our community. And I hope all of you you know, got a taste of that today. And um, so I was at Newfields for eight years and I loved that experience. I always joke that I'm, I'm not an art person. My art comes from TJ Maxx and not anywhere. Same. That's <laughs> Museum, <relatable>. world. <laughs> Museum world. Um, but, you know, when I was, was there, I got a really great experience seeing sort of the entire business component of the art museum. And CICF at the time had been a client of mine when I was at BKD, which is now Forbes. And I went to CICF because I felt like I could broaden my exposure to philanthropy. And I could see all of the organizations that are doing great work in our community, and that's exactly what I've gotten to do. Now, the mission part, we changed our mission about five years ago. So before George Floyd, before the pandemic, before everyone was talking about all the really important things we're talking about today in our society and throughout our country. Um, but I came, like I said, I went there really to have a broader exposure to philanthropy and then sat on that pilot team as we chose to change our mission, which in the community foundation space, which I think we'll maybe talk about what the community foundation mm -hmm. is later, but that was bold. And it, le it really laid the path for several other community foundations uh, like San Francisco, Silicon Valley, um, Hawaii, others to change their mission as well. Which you, I mean, regularly Central Indiana gets mentioned. With, with Silicon like, Valley. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but we were, we were one of the first and paving the way for that to really talk about the systemic barriers we all face in our community. And, um, you know, I think you guys at Elements get to, to talk about the financial barriers and others. And there, are an under, there is an underlying system that's causing those challenges. And we chose at CICF and all of our affiliates to address those challenges head on. That's amazing. And I love that you were leading um, nationwide yeah. that change um, before it became buzzworthy or what people thought they should be doing. You just saw the need and you started to meet it. Um, so I read a quote from you, which getting quoted to yourself, I'm sure, is something that happens all the time. But I read a quote from you uh, where you said that you know that the greatest asset in our state, especially in central Indiana, is our people and their willingness to come together. Um, I could not agree more. I am a Hoosier by choice, not by birth. And I have stayed here because of the willingness and the openness and friendliness that I continue to see um, in the Midwest, but especially here in central Indiana. And that's what I see today with our organization and what um, everybody came together to do. Most of our employees were out this morning either at prearranged opportunities um, across five different 
partner organizations or they chose to work in their own community if they have something that they really care about. But I wanted to know um, from you, what impact has volunteering had on you personally? Oh my gosh, huge. So I grew up in a family where that was just second nature. Uh, we had My dad was part of Big Brother, Big Sister, um, and we had, you know, littles in our home. He was a college football coach, and so they got to experience all of those things alongside of him. I think when you think about the nonprofit space and the resources that they have or actually don't have, um, volunteering is what closes those gaps, right? I mean, they can't, most of our nonprofits don't have the capacity financially to have enough staff. Um, I read an article recently just about the nonprofit sector and how we overtask our staff with getting things done and they do it because they believe in the mission that we're doing, but it burns people out. And it's probably one of the biggest burnout industries uh, around. And um, I look even at us internally, and we have a billion dollars in assets, but I see us doing it to our staff. I was telling Ryan uh, as we were chatting before this that I had a morning of a lot of problems and not a lot of solutions, and um, it's kind of my pet peeve, and people heard that from me this morning, but it's real, and we need all of you and your families to volunteer and give back whatever you can, whatever that means to you. And I think you have to find something that drives passion in you, and then I think that transfers. And so when I think about volunteering with my family, um, like Whitney said, I have three daughters, it comes naturally because it's what we should do to make our community a better place. And so I encourage you all to find those areas of passion and follow them because our ecosystem in the nonprofit space could really use all of that. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Switching gears a little bit, um, after hearing your bio and hearing everything that you're doing at CICF and what your team is doing, um, I want to get back to the basics of what foundations mean, um, what they mean for our community, um, what they mean to us as individuals, what are what do foundations mean to us? Yeah, well, they're they mean a lot of different things, and that word kind of gets jumbled together and encompasses a lot of things that aren't necessarily like things. The things that are like are they are grant making entities typically, and so they have some type of endowment or corpus amount of money to where they can make grants into focus areas. Um, those are public charity foundations. So CICF is a 501c3 public charity. Um, so that means we can give away uh, whatever percentage we want to give away out of our unrestricted endowment. Um, and that, that for us is 5%, which is kind of the industry standard. And so community foundations, I don't know how many know this, but Indiana has the most community foundations in a state in the country. We have 93 counties and every county has a community foundation. And those were started uh, by Lilly Endowment years ago. Now Indianapolis Foundation, which is part of our philanthropic collaborative, uh, is the oldest community foundation in the state and one of the oldest community foundations in the country, started in 1916 um, by trusts and trustee banks. Um, and so, 
the state of Indiana is really unique. And what's really special, and you probably think, if you're me, who works in, has worked in operations for a long time, having one in every county doesn't seem very efficient. And I think there's a time for efficiency, and I think there's a time for effectiveness. And sometimes you don't always get both, and that's okay. Um, and in Indiana, we look at it from an effectiveness. And there are community foundations that are supporting really small rural communities where everything else has left, right? The manufacturing has left, the hospitals have left, the school systems have left, and they've become part of a consolidated uh, group. But the one thing that stands there is the community foundation in each of our counties. Now, there are some that have consolidated down in southern Indiana and northern Indiana, but for the most part, uh, they are single in every single county. And so it's really important, I think, to our state um, and especially our more rural communities. So that's community foundations. Um, and then there are private foundations. So Lilly Endowment is a private foundation. They have a mandate from the IRS to spend 5% um, of their corpus amount every single year, no questions asked. Um, and so there are quite a few private foundations around uh, central Indiana as well that have focus areas that they make grants into as well. Um, and so I think there's a space for all of us and all of our uh, entities support our nonprofit uh, ecosystem here in central Indiana. I will say the largest being Lilly Endowment, um, which gives away a significant portion of their money here in the state and all, really all throughout the country. But we have one of the largest nonprofit uh, ecosystems as well because of the endowment, which is good and bad, all in the same, right? Um, because, you know, it, it, it taxes some resources as well. So we all as foundations try to figure out how to best support all of our nonprofits. Thank you for diving into that. That's really interesting. Um, what advice would you have for an individual or an entity looking to begin a fund or a foundation? I think we have perfected um, at the community foundation level the idea around donor advised funds. How many people know what a donor advised fund is? I don't. So oh, not that many. Dive into that. It is like your own personal foundation uh, that is housed at a community foundation. Um, and those are fine if you want transactional funds. Um, some people call those charitable checking accounts. Um, I would say, and again, I'm biased, to come to a community foundation because we can help you understand um, how to best uh, give your philanthropy back uh, to the community or to those interest areas that you're passionate about. So donor advised funds, you get the tax benefit and the tax deduction, the charitable deduction at time of gift. So if you create a donor advised fund with $10 million, you get that $10 million uh, credit uh, in, in the year that you're giving into the donor advised fund. And then you can spend it as you see fit. You can endow your donor advised fund, which means you would spend 5% a year. You can make it a pass-through, which means you can give away as much as you want to give away. Um, our largest donor advised fund at CICF was created in 1998, and it was $90 million. And so we had a donor that gave us a $90 million donor advised fund that as of today has given away over $100 million and still has about $130 million sitting in their fund, which is the uh, power of compound interest. Um, and so donor advised funds are really the solution to private foundations. Um, in my opinion, now there's a place for private foundations, but the vast majority of us will not come into the kind of wealth you need to start a private foundation. And you can create a donor advised fund 
in order to meet your charitable needs, to, re to meet your tax obligations and your tax requirements. You know, we work with a lot of donors who are selling a business or selling property, and we can take those shares of a business, those stock gifts or that property in um, and really help with capital gains. So we work with a lot of people and donors around that. So I think there's a place for all of it, um, but I hope your estate planner or your tax attorney really talks through all of those things, and this is not a commercial for CICF or a community foundation, but I think it's really important because there are a lot of private foundations that are started, and then they have a tax return, and they need legal help, and they need all of those back office type um, things that can be avoided if you um, choose to start a donor advised fund. And donor advised funds have come a long way. You also probably hear about them from time to time in the news because they're a hot topic at times in Congress um, around tax, you know, the tax sort of ramifications around them. Some, there's a general belief among our political friends that think people use them as tax shelters and park their dollars there. And the reality is it's not true. Um, you know, if you look at our overall spend rate out of our donor advised funds, it's close to 10 to 12% a year. So they're giving more away than if it was an endowed fund. And they are spending that money. But, you know, I always go back to that $90 million donor advised fund. If they would have just given away $90 million, not just, that's a lot of money. Um, but if they would have given away $90 million, that's all they would have given away. And now they're going to be able to probably double, if not triple, that amount uh, just over their lifetime. So you, you talked about meeting needs and finding areas of passion. So I was hoping maybe you could help identify um, the areas of greatest need within central Indiana that you've seen and what CICF sees for investments, both time and money. Housing, I think, is probably one of the largest. Uh, I'd say housing. I'd say health. We call it health equity, where we're trying to figure out how to allow Hoosiers to have access to health. And again, Ryan and I were just talking about health and health care and health benefits. And that all means something different to every person, right? Some people want to focus on the wellness component of it. Some want to focus on the true medical care of it. And not everybody has equitable access to health care. And, you know, I sit on the IU Health Steering Committee for the new IU Health District downtown, and that is their biggest focus, is understanding um, what are the barriers to health and health outcomes. And a lot of it is where you live. And if you look at even the health disparity um, most people know that Hamilton County is one of the wealthiest counties in the country. But when you look at northern Hamilton County and you look at the life expectancy from northern Hamilton County to Carmel, it's staggering. And it all has to do with the access you have to health care. And so the same is true for housing, though. You need to have a place to live that you can actually afford um, to be able to do all of the other things you need to do in life. And so we really focus on housing, healthcare, and then access. And access, you know, when you talk about our mission and it's equitable access no matter your place, race, or identity, we have a huge focus on black and brown access to capital. 
And uh, so I actually uh, was a co-founder of what we call Impact Central Indiana. And it's an impact investing arm of our foundations. And its focus is on black and brown entrepreneurship and on neighborhood revitalization and community-led development. And so twice a year, actually this Thursday, we run a pitch competition uh, for black and brown entrepreneurs um, where they get to receive an investment of $25,000 for first place, 15 for second place, 10 for third, and five is the audience choice. And then we structure those as investments however they best see them fitting into their uh, business. And so most of them are 1% loans over five years, and they are able to pay them back. So I think that that is a huge uh, space for, uh, of need. And um, I think about what the next generation of philanthropy is, and I think that it looks different really than even all of us sitting here. Um, the next generation likes to see and touch and feel and know exactly where those dollars are going and to get some type of return on them. So I think you can do both, give away philanthropically, but you can also have that social impact return come back. So um, I think those are some of our biggest areas. We do talk about food and access, and a lot of that wraps under our health um, focus. And then our neighborhoods. Um, you know, we do a lot of land uh, acquisition and purchasing of buildings. Um, to preserve them so that neighborhoods um, can work through, you know, the idea of gentrification and, and really helping in that and what that looks like. And so we have been working in the Riverside neighborhood where we've helped purchase a couple buildings there so that the community can actually have voice in, in what they want to see happen in their neighborhood. That's great. I see some, and well, and I know CICF was very impactful and helped us determine our pillars of giving, but there's so much overlap and alignment there. So thank you for helping us identify those needs um, so that we can make sure our corporate giving is going to where it's needed most in our communities. I just want to add to your comment there about helping, you know, we do the same, there's been, I've had donors ask us and, and others ask us, do we have to give away dollars that align with what you care about at the foundation? And the answer is no. We are agnostic in how you give your charitable dollars back into the community. Um, now, we will help you if you're asking for those areas, but they don't necessarily align with what we're doing. Um, but we sit down and we do what's the VIP exercise, which are values, interests, and purpose. And, you know, we do that with families. There are a lot of families that come to us that have had some type of financial event in their life, and they don't know what they're passionate about or what their kids are passionate about. And so we work through those things together. We have a really elementary way to do that. You know, if you have little kids sitting at the table or young kids um, that are kind of flashcard based and you move them around and you decide uh, what your areas of interest are. And what's really important about that is I know all of us feel like we could give away dollars all the time, right? People ask us to do fundraisers and go to events and do all of that. And I think when you're very clear on your values and your interests and your purpose, it's easy to say no. And it's easy to say that doesn't align with my family's charitable giving and so, or my corporation's charitable giving because corporations are asked all the time for dollars. And so I think it's a, just a really important exercise to go through and we do that with corporations and businesses like Elements along with families. Yeah, did we have any questions? Oh, we got one down front. You had mentioned that you have three children of your own, correct? And they do some volunteer work. Uh, my wife and I have two boys. One's three and the other one is one. 
I'm curious, at what age did they get it, what they were doing, and what does it look like for them to uh, give back? Yeah, what a great question. Um, so my kids are, uh, I have to always think about this because they're either in odd cycles or even cycles. So I have 14, 13, and 11. Uh, so I have one in the even cycle and two in the odd. And, you know, so my youngest was one when I started at CICF and, and thinking about philanthropy um, in a new way. And we have... Um, what, we have a women's fund uh, of Central Indiana that's part of CICF, and they do this program called Go Give Back. And what ultimately happens in that fund is, or you do set up a fund for your children, and um, you can, the only requirement is asked to be $10,000 by the time your child is 18. Uh, my family set up one for all of our girls to be together because I wanted something that will tie them together and tie them to central Indiana forever. So they're endowed funds um, that we contribute to. But to answer your question, that was really where my kids started. And um, they start with that in kindergarten. Um, and it's, you know, it teaches them about philanthropy and giving dollars away, but it also teaches about community need. And so, I mean, they did small things, right? Like collecting winter coats for, for children in need. Um, we go to St. Vincent de Paul and they, they volunteer. Um, and so I think it's the first thing you have to do is start talking about it, right? And talking about the need. And I always tell my children that most of our community doesn't look like us, right? And they don't have access and opportunity um, like our kids do. And you know, I was a founding board member of Circle City Prep, which is a charter school on the Far East Side here in Indianapolis. And I had a lot of friends that said, why would you volunteer somewhere that's not your kid's school? And the reality is I want to give back to those that don't have the opportunity that my kids have. And so I think finding whatever that passion point is and, um, you know, for a while it we all shared the same interest and the same passion. You know, we did, mine is education, um, because I think that that's sort of the catalyst and baseline um, to opportunity in, in our community. Um, but having a 14-year-old who's a freshman in high school, she has different opinions now, right, about what uh, we should be doing. And so she actually goes to Chittard, and they have a whole volunteer program there where they have so many hours they have to volunteer both at Chittard and then in their community, and they have to design that and figure that out. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I would just say start the conversation at dinner. Um, when you're out, take them with you places because it's amazing what resonates even in a moment where you don't feel like maybe it's resonating. Um, and then they will be able to see that, you know. And like I said earlier, I'm a product of that. My parents did, and at the time, I don't even think I really understood it. But it sticks with them, and... Um, they do understand that, that giving back is more than just charity. It's trying to help others um, and, you know, helping other organizations further our community. Well, we are at time, so we appreciate your time today so much. And then, um, obviously, we're very appreciative of everything CICF is doing um, to make this a better place to live and work in. Most of us live in central Indiana. A lot of our partnerships are based here. So I just feel better knowing that, um, that we can get involved and really um, dig in to make this a better place for all of us. So everybody give Jennifer a hand. Thank you.
and thank you for joining us on this special live recorded episode of Better Money with Elements Financial as we talked about volunteerism and foundations. We hope you were able to take something away from this and you're encouraged to find service opportunities within your own community. Find more episodes at elements.org slash better money or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review. As always, reach out to us at bettermoney at elements.org with any questions. We'll see you next time and happy serving. Happy serving.